Hi everyone, welcome to the Restoring Rapport podcast. My name is Seth Hensley and this is a show dedicated to young believers pursuing the goal of healthy marriage and family. You know, we live in a world where getting married and starting a family is far too often postponed for longer than God designed and pushed to the back burner in favor of less important things. But the good news is that it doesn't have to stay this way. As young believers, we have the choice to prioritize what matters most in our lives every day and to live face to face with God and others. Every Thursday and Sunday on this show, I'll be sharing research conducting interviews and reviewing articles on the importance of marriage and family for society. I'll also be releasing exclusive content such as spoken word poetry, allegorical short stories, and bonus episodes for subscribers. Friends, God did not set us up to live life alone. The truth of the matter is that every minute of your adult life that you wait to marry is a minute of your life that you're not spending with your life partner. While some might be content to live with the consequences of this arrangement, I would argue that those who wish to spend as much of their life as possible with their mate are perfectly within reason and soundness of value to do so. It is my deepest hope that this podcast inspires Generation Z to pursue marriage, become the best spouses and parents the world has ever seen, serve with furious intentionality, love well, and discover the joy of hanging the moon for another. To access my sources, subscribe to the show, or get your copy of my latest book, visit anchor.fm slash seth-hensley or check out the show notes of each episode. All right, guys, in this episode, we are going to continue the conversation that we started in the last episode. If you did not catch that, be sure to go back and check out the last episode before picking up here. But without further ado, let's go ahead and pick up right where we left off. Um, but I do want to discuss this this next article heading here that I, this subheading that I found rather interesting. It says the church girl struggle, and I'm I just I'm curious about what they're going to say there. It says when it's, because it's specifically talking to presumably young female believers. Um, when exploring the topic of marriage in evangelical circles, it says the challenge women encounter are various, come from various angles. On Sunday, the majority of church services are attended by 61% of women and 39% of men. I did not know that. So there are more, there's actually a pretty big gap between uh, men and women when it comes to churchgoers. Uh, there's a much higher percentage of women that go to church. The age demographics most impacted by this statistic are windows, are widows and unmarried 18 to 25 year olds. Interesting. Among the available individuals aged 18 to 35, a significant portion of them once claimed to be devout followers of religious practices. However, after a college education, they no longer identify with any religious affiliation. Feeling disheartened by these obstacles, young Christian women 18 to 35 are actively searching for alternatives beyond the, conf in what? Mm. Beyond the confines of the church. Some are pursuing relationships with non-believers. Oh, I see what it's saying. Participating in hookup culture or even stepping away from the church while still holding on to their Christian faith. Um, well, I've got, I've got so many thoughts on that. Uh, the first two, they said that women are, you know, going beyond the confines of the church by pursuing relationships with non-believers. I do think women are being forced to, because of the lack of partners and their desire to get married, I do think some of them are being forced to, um, lower their standards as far as what they're willing to date. <laughs> and so they, if a guy, if, in other words, the interrogation between a man and a woman as to whether or not he's a believer will go something like this. Hey, so are you a Christian? Are you religious? And he'll say, yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm, I believe in God and, or something like that. And she'll take that as, um, you know, wow, this guy's right on the same page with me. And there's really a lot more in depth, you know, that they should have gone into, you know, prior to, you know, entering a serious relationship. And then it says some are, some women are, you know, going beyond the confines of the church by participating in hookup culture. I don't see as many, uh, 
Christian women who are doing that, but simply for the reason that it's you know, hookup culture is just terrible for women. I mean, it's just absolutely awful. I mean, they single women whenever they engage in a hookup, it, it, the the sexual relationship is not good for them. They're taking the risk of getting pregnant. They're taking the risk of getting an STD. They're taking the risk of getting emotionally involved with somebody that's going to bail the next day. I mean, there's so many risks that at some point, I don't think most of the young women that I know would would do something like that who are Christians. Um, it says she's. Some of the women are even stepping away from the church while still holding on to their Christian faith. That last one, I don't think. I don't see how that is um, going outside the confines of the church, especially since they spelled church with an up, uppercase C. It's like if you're talking about the universal church, the sum total of all believers uh, on the earth, the body of Christ. Then you know, leaving a building does not you know exclude you or. Um, you know, mean that you're stepping away from the church. That'd be like saying you're stepping away from the body of Christ because you left First Baptist in whatever street. <laughs> I mean, right. that doesn't really make any sense to me, but, um, and maybe that's just become, from my house church background, I mean, I've been doing house church for years, and I've gotten all the, the talk about, you know, from people saying that I need to be involved in a church, and I'm I've kind of, my answer to them has kind of just been, well, I mean, I think the the model of church that I'm doing right now is a little bit closer to what they were doing in Acts than what you're doing. Not to be um, too assertive, but um, that's just kind of the response I get people who tell me that. So I don't really see how women stepping away from you know their local church building to look for a man is stepping outside the the confines of the uppercase C church. I really I don't like that paragraph or that uh, sentence. But moving on, it says the struggle for Christian women in the dating realm is multifaceted. As it pertains to dating, far too many Christian women anxious for marriage. I don't like that word, anxious for marriage. I think I think I think what it is is it's actually a healthy yearning for marriage. I think we're designed to um, need, like I said, if you're a woman, I think you're designed to need a man. If you're a man, I think you're designed to need a woman, and you're, you're designed for an intimate relationship with a man or woman. You're designed for a close emotional vulnerability with a man or woman um, that you can't replicate through you know other substitutions for that, like porn or hookup culture or casual dating or things like this. Um, so I don't like that wording, but it says, instead of seeking godly guidance for from the men in authority in their lives, their fathers or local church pastor, they often pursue husband hunting on their own. Um, this often leads to crossing paths with men who claim to be Christians, but whose actions reveal a stronger commitment to worldly desires rather than spiritual growth. This disparity between a profession of faith and an actual lifestyle adds to another layer of complexity to the challenges faced by young Christian women in the dating scene. Now they're kind of talking a lot about the... Oh, go ahead, Landon. That, that's that's true for both sexes. Yes, that is true for us. Yeah. I mean, like, I think that as men, if, if I went to my father, if I was a 15-year-old boy, and I went to my father and I said, hey, I really like this girl, um, but she parties, she doesn't go to church, she sleeps around, mm -hmm. um, you know, that, that's something that I, I want to pursue. What do you think? He's going to say, no. You shouldn't do that. Right. That's a stupid yeah. idea. Yeah. Um, the same way that a, a strong um, male figure in this woman's life would do. Um, mm -hmm. But I think that uh, there, the next sentence there, women want weddings, not marriages. Mm -hmm. um, I, I mean, the, the, the entire extent of this entire paragraph right here is it can be explained in a, a very simple way it's easy for you to pursue things on your own um, because the older people in your life who are probably wiser and more knowledgeable and know what is best for us 
are going to tell us certain things that we should look for. But mm-hmm. sometimes the things that are best for us in the long term are not going to be as appealing as what is appealing to us right now. So mm-hmm. as a immature child, you know, when you're try when you're immature and you're looking and you're just now starting to get into this scene of dating and trying to find a wife, the appealing things are going to be sexual um that you know you're going to have different things that appeal to you that attract you to this person mm-hmm. and um that that's very sometimes it's going to be short term you know initial hookup mm-hmm. culture and and yeah. you know but when you look you have that's why we have our boxes and, and we talked about right. this in one of the episodes i think a couple episodes ago um, yeah we, we have our boxes and we but one of our top ones is that we connect on that faith issue and mm-hmm. that we have yeah. a similar worldview because right. just because you're attracted to her, just because he or she puts out and sleeps with you, that's that's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, you're probably going to be happy for a temporary amount of time, but unless you're a woman, is this <laughs> is this going to be something that is going to extend throughout your marriage to where your faith and your worldview won't obscure it. And the mm-hmm. older people in our lives know that that's not the case. So if we don't want to hear that, why would we go to them? Yeah. And I, something I do want to kind of push back on a little bit is they set up here that instead of seeking godly guidance from men and authority in their lives, the fathers and their fathers are local church pastor. They often pursue husband hunting on their own. Okay. When, what generation has not done that? Like that's not new. Right. Like you, if you talk to anybody that's older than you, they're gonna like, and you ask them, "Hey, how are you with listening to authority when you were my age?" I mean, the yeah. average answer is gonna be pretty much that somebody just walk in arranged marriage. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like most I people don't do that. Way. Yeah, yeah. Most people don't do that. Most people don't take, not even to that level. Like not even getting to arranged marriages. Most people don't even take the advice of the their voices of authority on what to look right. for. They just well, they just the sort of like, make their own mistakes. Yeah. Like this guy is acting like this is something that we can just snap our fingers and he's like, Oh, well you need to listen to your dad. It's like, okay, we've been saying that since what? Like forever, a long time, eternity. Yeah. Uh, Listen to your father. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. kind of the whole Genesis Mm -hmm. (laughs) story. Nobody listens. We're all, which I do. Yeah. It's true. Listening to authority. Like that's the whole point. So that's nothing that's specific to our generation. It's not that women are having problems finding a man because of this, because they've always been doing that. Yes. Yeah. Now, I will say I do think that the current generation has a little bit of uh, a negative attitude towards mentoring and receiving wisdom from people who are ahead of them in years. So I will say that that does lend itself to the credibility of that statement. But I w- it's, it's I not, again, that, it's not like that's that new. Gen Z has kind of come around more than millennials, wouldn't mm-hmm. you think? I mean, I, dude, I don't know. I this I week, think, I think that it is a uh, the avenue for corrective uh, teaching has changed, but mm-hmm. I think that Gen Z is more likely to accept yeah. that teaching. If that makes sense, um, yeah. you look at these people online. I think that that holds uh, more weight in the younger person's brain than their teacher, their pastor, their parent. 
which is not good. It's a disordered way of getting corrective teaching. But I do think that, you know, the rise of like a Jordan Peterson type mm-hmm. um, shows that there is a hunger for it. But for some reason, that generation just does not want to deal with it at home. I think that mm-hmm. there's a, um, how could you describe it? Like a um, mystical part of mm-hmm. uh, dealing with somebody on the internet. So Jordan Peterson to them is not just a an adult. He's he's some, you know, high and mighty person and that's why you see a lot of like this um you you get like this idolization of people Mm, like that mm -hmm. um because you know it's like okay he's telling me what seems to be the truth and he does it in a confident way and Mm -hmm. i can't find anything he's wrong about therefore he is now my idol and and Mm. then and then it takes away from dealing with you know your parents right you still got it yeah takes away from your pastor trying to correct you um Mm -hmm. and then you know teachers whatever it is so i think that there's still a natural tendency to lean towards power um i just think that it is uh i think that it is more leaning towards the internet now hi guys this is just a quick reminder that you can use the link in the show notes to send me a voice message with a comment or a question i see i see um Guys, before we wrap this episode up, I, uh, much of this article so far has been addressed to women and it's been or either addressed to women or talking to men about women, which is, you know, again, I don't think that's either one of those is super helpful if you're trying to talk to the whole audience. So I do want to address the part of the article here that covers men's unrealistic expectations and kind of kind of cast the blame a little bit at men's door and says, okay, here are the thing we've talked about some of the things women can do. Now here's some of the things you can do because it's not like um, the, the reason that young, you know, fewer people are getting married can be laid at the door of just women. I think that's ridiculous. Uh, it says as men chose, to, as men choose to marry later in life, they face important decisions and express deep concerns about commitment while men no longer expect to women to be sexually pure. Nearly 90% of that's interesting. Nearly 90% of American women, men and women have engaged in premarital sex often with someone other than their future spouse the, this reality has neg- 90% where in the world that That's, is crazy where do they I'm get that, that yeah. yeah you can Stage click the 90% pub. there they have Stage a link for it journals yeah the, the, um, this reality has negative consequences for marriage although premarital marital sex does not directly cause divorce relationships with multiple partners are more likely to end in separation and divorce divorce has also influenced the decision to marry in 1967 the divorce rate was 5% by 1967, it had skyrocketed to 50%, which, by the way, I don't know this for a fact, but I would guarantee you that's right after the sexual revolution. Um, but scholars, uh, in fact, let me just look that up really quickly. When did the sexual revolution occur? When did it start? When did the sexual revolution? Yep, there is sexual revolution again. Um, because I would say that period between 1867, well, that's a lo- that's 100 years, but still, I'd say that... Oh, that that skyrocketing, you know, 1967 skyrocketing from a 5% divorce rate to a 50%, I'd say that's right after the, oh, it's right smack dab in the middle. Yeah, it's 1960s to 1970. So, of course, people are going to, there's going to be a higher divorce rate um, during the sexual revolution when sexual freedom and, you know, pursuing what you wanted in the flesh was the ultimate value. Uh, but moving on, it says scholars attri- attribute this increase to women entering the workforce. Well, I would say it's also 
that's maybe part of it. It's also probably the sexual revolution, giving them more independence. The sexual revolution in the United States really was skyrocketed through with the uh, given of the birth control pill in 1960. Yes, exactly. Yes, that That also makes a huge difference in the absolutely uh, divorce rate because before you had sex, you had a baby. You probably need to be married. Right. After 1960, you have sex. Probably not going to have a baby. So just have sex with whoever. Yeah, exactly. It was just do whatever you want. I yep, absolutely, dude. That was so sad. But anyway, it says boomers born between 1946 and 1964 are the most divorced generation in U.S. history. That's very interesting. This ongoing phenomenon continues to shape marriage decisions today. Well, okay, they didn't really cover men's unrealistic expectations, so I'm going to do it for you. Porn has messed up the way that you view women. It's given you really unrealistic unrealistic expectations about not only what women look like, but what sex sex is like. And it's given you really, frankly, not, not that it porn is better. I think porn is way worse than real sex, but I'm, I, I think porn has a lot of really, really unhealthy, degrading, sometimes even violent content in it that is not sexual. And a lot of men are associating those violent, degrading, unhealthy forms of sexuality, and it's they're, they're creating these pathways in their brain where they're getting turned on by really bad stuff. And so you're messing up your brain um, when it comes to watching porn, and especially when you get into a real, you know, semi-healthy sexual relationship with your wife, and you're gonna, there's going to be a massive uh, culture shock uh, as to far as to you know what the differences are. And um, guys, I would say, yeah, you're you're doing yourself no favors in finding a woman by living a life hooked on porn. You're doing yourself no favors by using masturbation to make your season of singleness so comfortable that you're not incentivized to actually go find a woman because masturbation is a lot easier. You don't have, there's none of the commitment. There's none of the uh, thinking about her. There's none of the um, risk of actually asking a woman out and, and doing all the steps with her to get her to the marriage bed. There's none of that. It's just basically, um, you know, a selfish, you know, self gratification. Well, not to so, mention you're just completely abusing yourself yeah. and, and just yeah. disordering what God has provided right. for you uh, right. the one thing i would say to both men and women yeah kind of close out uh, my thing is you know the world today tells us that in order to be satisfied we all have to have six-figure jobs and an abundance of disposable income yeah. um, and and i want to kind of flip that because it, it we see that a lot, and I think that especially in the manosphere, we see that uh, you know it's like, oh, go and do this, and do um, you know, go and trade crypto, and do these multi-marketing mm-hmm. uh, schemes, and make all this money, and then maybe when you're forty, you can get married. And mm-hmm. Matt Fred from Pines with Aquinas uh, has a quote that I, I really like, and it's kind of hyperbolic, but we'll, we're going to go with it, and uh, then we'll kind of. <laughs> Elaborate on it. He is hyperbolic. He says, he says, Get married young, move into a bubble, and have more kids than you can afford. So that's a recipe three, for making a good man. Those yeah. are his three tips yeah. for young men and uh, mm-hmm. and women. And even though it's somewhat hyperbolic, the premise is so beautiful. Um, yeah. Like, do you think that spending time single and working for money is going to fulfill the hole that you have in your life? No, absolutely um, not. You know, Absolutely. marriage, something uh, Father Mike Schmidt says, he says, marriage is signing up for a lifetime of pain and suffering, but the pain and suffering is due to the situations that arise while trying to protect the thing that you are called to yes. do. Yes, amen. So, so while you're being alone and childless, um, but you may be well off monetarily, 
mm-hmm. it's also going to lead to pain and suffering. Um, but you're going to have much more existential suffering because you're not fulfilling God's will in your life. Amen. Amen, uh, dude. Well said. And, and I yeah. think that, I think that, uh, the only way, if you really just don't think that you are the marriage type, you mm-hmm. really just don't think that that's what God is calling you to. The only way that I see a, a fruitful life with that. I know what you're going to say. Commit yourself to God. Okay. You have yeah. to commit yourself to God. And by committing yourself to God, that means being celibate. So mm-hmm. guess what? Exactly. If you have lustful desires, if you Amen. have any sexual desires whatsoever, you're for marriage. God has mm-hmm. called you for marriage. Amen. He would not so, have given you that. And, amen. and I yeah. think that if you have that uncontrollable desire, then you can't say, well, I'm just, you know what, this is, I'm just going to do this. I'm not going to get married. Now, is it going to be hard even if you did do that, if you tried to do, you know, celibacy and um, somewhat married to God? Of course, you're still going to bear your cross. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you listen to priests talk and they're, they're, they'll tell you that it's like, yeah, it's hard. I mean, sometimes yeah. you look at your nieces and nephews and you're like, man, what a life that could be. But you have to realize that your fatherly um, position is different and you have yeah. multiple people to father. And um, yeah. so unless you are intentional on being celibate for the rest of your life, giving yourself up to the bridegroom that is Jesus Christ, realize that your life is not going to be fulfilled unless you get married. If you Amen. Not go Amen. Way, if you were not going to go that way, you're not going to be able to fill that hole in your life without so true, dude. marriage. And there are not enough people saying that, guys. And and just to just emphasize what Landon said there again, let's go back to Matt Frad's advice: get married young and have as many kids as you can inside your little your your space that you created. That is what's going to make you a better man. There's an awesome quote, and I don't want to butcher it here, but I'm going to do my best. It's 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 hard times create good men. Good men create good times. Good times create weak men, and weak men create bad times. And then, it go, and then the cycle repeats. And what, what we're kind of in the middle of now is I think we are living on the backs of our parents making a good life for us. And a lot of men have the ability to not um, – or they have a comfortable home in which they cannot – be forced to go out and make a home with a woman they have a place that they can just kind of stay and because their dad has worked hard and their dad has they've the dad's made an awesome family and so the men right now are living in good times and what that's doing is a lot of a lot of times guys it's creating a weak man of us we're not we're not actually prompting ourselves and making ourselves do hard things for the sake of our spouse and our children we're choosing the easier road because we're used to easy times of you know singleness and, and Netflix and video games and masturbation that's really what we're choosing over getting married and and so I would just encourage you guys today the rewards of doing taking Matt Frad's advice are just more than you can imagine in your single season and I don't want to I, I know there are challenges with marriages and I'm marriage and I'm not trying to idealize and romanticize what being in a marriage is actually like but guys it changed my life so much for the better I mean, getting married is the best decision outside of following Jesus Christ that I've ever made in my entire life. And and I can't underemphasize that. I mean, that's never... I just would encourage you guys, if you're like me, there is nothing better that you could do, again, outside of following Jesus Christ, that's a given, than getting married. There is nothing better that you could do. And Landon and I are just... We, we just want to encourage you. You can do it. There is There are hard things, but um, you can do it. It is possible. And it, there is so much fruit. There is so much good fruit from making that decision. So hope this episode has encouraged you guys today. 
We're going to wrap up here because I know Landon has to go 1130. Thank you guys so much for listening today and, and giving us your ear. Please give us your voice as well. Reach out and let us know what you thought of this article that we reviewed today. And through the link in the show notes, you can send us a personalized audio voice message giving us thanks, questions, comments, feedback, an alternate story, your perspective, your thoughts on the article, anything at all. We'd love to hear that. Make us feel super connected to you. Um, so click that link in the article and send us those things. We would love to hear from you. You can also follow the Restoring Rapport podcast as well as Landon and myself on Facebook and Instagram. Become friends with us. Get to know us there. We'd love to connect with you there as well. So thank you guys so much for listening today. And we will talk to you all next time.